Secrets are uncovered along with new enemies. Strange allies enter the ever-expanding war. Will Winter and Cedar be able to fight their way to freedom or be dragged further into the conflict? Follow along as our heroines discover more than they could ever hope for or want in this action-packed romp that will have you trying to find the edge of the seat you fell off of. In Distance, Book 2, Cedar's Conflict. This is the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How is everybody today, besides sweaty and hot? Uh, no, I'm amazing. comfy. I'm inside. Mm-hmm. Are you amazing? Why are mm-hmm. you amazing? Always. Because yeah. that's what I choose to be. <laughs> I like that. I like there that. There you go. Kara, where are you? It looks like you're you're broadcasting from heaven because you have. The- I am. I know, right? <laughs> I am. I am in Sunapee, New Hampshire, at a VRBO Ooh. for my severance vacation, um, and finally enjoying the sun. Was gotten the water today, and I've got my five brothers, my husband, and my nephew visiting. Oh joy! So you're on vacation mm-hmm. doing this. I am. I you know I saw you and Amber doing it last Wednesday, which I was busy i couldn't do it but then i was like okay i did the second book i can do this you know i can join you guys and i'm like you guys can go fishing and i'll do my podcast there you go awesome well we, we will make this as as pain painless as possible so you can get back to your back to your trip and enjoy the nice weather up there uh-huh. centipede is beautiful so and distance is beautiful and uh mm-hmm. distance took two cedar's conflict answered a hell of a lot of questions. Yeah. That it did. As mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. what is distance? Where is this? And is Tallow dead? We talked about this a little bit last week. I know, right? You, I forgot totally about this. It's amazing what you realize after you read these or, or listen to them for the second time around. Mm-hmm. What you missed the first time. Um Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I, somebody sent me the, I'm gonna, I'll post it up on the, on the, the thing later, but somebody sent me the actual copy of the original book of Tallow's death scene. Um, I remember you asking, I didn't know if anybody sent that. To yeah. Me. Somebody got it to me. So I'll post it up on the, uh, the Facebook page, the Chronicles of Michael Talbot Facebook page. If you're not following it, you should, because it's do just, it. just, just do it because it helps us out. Um, I am. <laughs> so yeah, Tallow. So the beginning of the book and the beginning of the audio book starts with Mark doing his preamble or whatever the hell you want to call it. And he has to say that so the editor will read it. And Mark and um and uh what the hell's his name? Sean Sean, Sean will read it. So uh, on top of Mike uh Mark gushing about Sean and that he loves Sean. And that, and that he has to going, read that. Yeah, that was funny. Sean has to read all this and he wishes and he blush. was in truth with him watching him blush and everything. Stupid funny. That the the woman, I forget her name, is not going to be doing the, the audiobook anymore. He took a hiatus, as Mark always does, and he goes back and revisits things and said, Hey, how do I continue this? I want to do it this way. But mm-hmm. crap, I killed off a major player. I can't do this. So I'm going to go do a rewrite. And this is kind of the equivalent of uh, George Lucas going back and redoing the Star Wars movies from episode one, going, I'm going to change this a little bit. And everything that you thought was kind of the same, it's going to be a little bit different. But I wrote the story so I could do whatever the hell I want. 
And that's what Mark can do. Mark can do whatever he wants because they're his stories. So if you don't like Tallow and you're like, good, I'm glad he died. Why is he back? Tough shit. Then don't <laughs> listen, right? Yeah. Tallow's Facts. back. And he, he doesn't really play an integral part of the story besides the fact that the female driven story and that Tallow tries to be the macho male. He tries to puff his chest out and be like, I'm going to save you and I'm going to do this. And he kind of so bad at it down every time. So bad. And it's so hilarious. Bad. It is hilarious. So I think he was kind of the comic relief of this book. <laughs> yeah, I, he's at least um, Cedar's uh, comic relief because Cedar continuously makes jabs at him consistently. I <laughs> love Cedar. Cedar is such a riot. Her. And giving her yeah. romance novels, oh, fuel to the fire, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so <clears throat> excuse me. So we start off kind of where book one ended. Um, mm-hmm. They found the 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 the... You know, I do all this stuff in my head when I'm driving at work and it all sounds great. And then when I have to physically do it, you would never know that I did radio for a living because I lose my train of thought constantly. Um, (laughs) Then Colorado, they found the bunker where Paul had trained everybody originally before they transferred over to Indian Hill, the military base. So Mike's office. Yeah. Cedar and Winter, they escaped from there. They escaped from uh, what's his name? Hayden. Serret yeah. has converted over to the other side because he's in love with love Cedar. With Cedar. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and they are now in a, a conflict as to what do they do with themselves? Do they go back to distance? Do they continue to fight? Do they, they still don't know what their world is. And we mm-hmm. find out in the course of this, and it kind of hinted a little bit about it at the end of the one that, and you had a little bit of it with Brody where he says, I trained at Indian Hill. And he went, oh, Indian Hill. Maybe he just used the same name again. And then they're going through the, the bunker. And it's like, who's General, who's P. Jensen or General Jensen? You're like, oh, shit. This is an actual sequel to Indian Hill. So it's kind of books 8, 9, and 10 that everybody wanted. But it's not the 8, 9, and 10 that we wanted. It's a mm-hmm. way as far in the future 8, 9, and 10. Yeah, like you, you could put like four books in between there and then do the distance series. Which I think we're all hoping for. You know, when, when Mark's yeah. done with uh, uh, the, the Devil's Desk Part 2 that he said he was starting to write that, that he's working on now, we're hoping that he'll go back and he'll kind of fill in the middle as to what happened because uh-huh. I have some questions. Um, one of my questions is Cedar and Winter find out that they're sisters. And they mm-hmm. find out that they are lineage of Michael Talbot because mm-hmm. there's a Rhodesian in this book. <laughs> I love the Rhodesian. I love the big, the big so kitty much. cat. Uh, uh, what, what, what are they called? Frost. Frost. Ferrets. Oh, ferrets. They yes. call them the ferrets. Yeah. Right. So Frost comes out and finds Winter, and they don't know. What it is, what she is in winter is there with uh, uh, what's his name? Len- Lendor. Lendor. Is it Tallow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. he was. She was with Tallow originally. They was were, when like, they, when they were originally fooling around in the yeah. water or whatever. Oh, that's right. They were in the water. I bet I'm skipping ahead, but that's and just the wolves came and then the Rhodesian scared away. The Rhodesian the scared the crap out of them. So but you mm-hmm. find out that she senses she that 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 um, winter is lineage of Mike. That mm-hmm. 
um, hope. It's a hope. Yeah, hope. What's some somebody yeah. Talon? Hope I is mean, the somebody mom. Talbot. Hope is her mom, but it was. It you was said a- you're just your lineage of a Talbot. So hope yes. at the end. Uh, we find out that Talbot and Hope, Winter's mom, um, kind of got together, or Winter's dad. You find out who Winter's dad is in the epilogue of Winter's mm-hmm. Rising. You find out that. She's it, you, you kind of your mind's blown like oh okay this is a Talbot story this continues mm-hmm. with that right. um, which yeah. is where it's going I'm sorry it's just really hot in my house so it's hard to I, I've turned the ACs on way too late in the day and I'm trying to catch up so I'm like I'm sweating and I'm trying to sweat and I'm trying to concentrate and we can't see you sweating it's fine. good because my brain's <laughs> fried right now so <laughs> but um, yeah so Frost and she knows that that Frost is can smell the Talbot lineage on winter. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you kind of find out you're like, oh, wait, what the Rhodesians are here are the strivers here. On this <gasps> I know. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're there. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was just super excited that the Rhodesians came back into the story <laughs> because they they are absolute. If you watch any of my um talking about the Indian Hill series when I was on the podcast, I just want to talk about the Rhodesians because I think they are the most amazing creatures in the world, and I wish that I had one at a friend. Like they are the best little creatures ever. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's great. Totally it, uh, yeah, because Lindor is uh petting one of them underneath the uh underneath their chin oh, and yeah. the hind legs is like he's purring and wants everybody to get away from it. So it's like. You kind of find out this that one's they are mine. friendly, but they're <laughs> deadly as hell. And if they want uh-huh. to, they'll eat your face, but they also can be cute and cuddly. And Linda like is just woman. hilarious in this that, you know, he's petting them and he's petting the, 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 the one and he's, you know, curling up behind the ears and she's purring up against him. And when he goes to pet the other ones, she gets mad and starts hissing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that like when, like, so I like the fact that they didn't, they met um, the Rhodesians in like a very neutral space. Mm-hmm. And they weren't under like immediate attack because I feel like if they would have met the Strivers first and then the Rhodesians, it would have been like too so much different. parallel going yep. on here. Like there would have yep. been it would have been too much energy going on. But the fact that um it just had to be winter and tallow and like winter had tallow to be like, I'm not crazy, right? Like that did happen. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, cool. We need to like introduce in intervals everybody else. It's like, okay, great, that worked out. And then it was like, bam, before you know it, now we're hitting up strivers and it's like Oh, so that's so Frost was like, I I don't know why we're getting bigger. I don't know why our venom is getting back. I don't know why our telepathy is getting stronger, but something is going on. And I think you started it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely started it. It's I like this story because it, it answers questions from book one. And you don't know when you read book one and you listen to book one. Um you don't know what it is. And you're saying to yourself, what is distance? It's, it talks a little bit about Indian Hill. Is it post-utopia where he kind of dives deep into this now and it's, nope, this is what it is. This is what the fences are for. This is what the pickets are for. This is what everything is. And you kind of find out toward the end of it that they're prisoners. That they Earth are. wasn't supposed to survive at the end and of all Indian of the Hill, clans. There, everybody jumps ship and gets off of Earth because the strivers are going to take over. That's what the Strivers do. They invade a planet, they inhabit it, and they destroyed it. And that's what the Genogerians and the Progerians were fighting against. So everybody abandoned ship on Earth and they're on spaceships, but the remaining humans populated. 
And it mm-hmm. all goes into different clans and different clusters, which confused me a little bit when they talk about what it is. Is are they prisoners? Are they uh because they're not supposed to be alive? The people on the mm-hmm. ship, when you find out, you know, it's we're jumping ahead to the end of the story, but it's really just a lot of battles in the beginning of it that they they abandoned earth they left they didn't know that anybody was still going to be alive so the fact that they found people on earth blows their mind so you gotta i'm as asking myself because winter was saying are we prisoners is are the fences um you know is that a jail and everybody's in a jail and everybody's in their own little thing and, and you kind of got prison gangs and this gang is part of that gang and this prison is is fights this prison and the overseers are just putting everyone against each other. Are the overseers humans or are the overseers other people that lived that progressed first and then they built the the the, the distant lands and the, the fences and the pickets in the world that we see now and everybody else that came into being are now prisoners and they have the 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 the, the birthing stations and everything else. It's it's kind of a yeah. Those are all my questions too. Like, well, it's okay, kind of more of a mind decided, than, yeah. Than shrouded world. When you think about it, once it, it all gets into it, because you're like, oh, wait, you got to go back to this, and did they just come from that? And it's really interesting. I yeah, think the like, one thing that, like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. Oh, I think like in my mind, I think the only way that I was able to actually like. uh put it into making make sense so I could just continue on and not ask a ton of questions. Like you got to think about it. They said they were in a state and they only have like horses and you got to think about if like one say County is distance and they're covered with pickets. Like then they only have to go a short mile. Like they only had to travel about five miles out of distance to get outside of the pickets to get to where they had to go to start fighting the war. But then everybody else outside of the pickets are who they're having the war with. So in my mind, I just think of like distance being a county in a state because mm-hmm. they don't know how big they the world actually is. Like they just think it's distance and maybe a little bit of area outside of there because no new knowledge comes in. So they only think it's like this surrounding area. So think about any county that you're in. You how far are you really able to walk around? And you're like, oh, I got to go home now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You can only go but so far out before you come back in. And I think that um, so when they have the pickets, the pickets are like kind of surrounding just the entire, um, say, uh, the entire uh, uh, like state. And then when you go past it, but all the other like the Comanche Keys, the Brutons, everybody else is in that state. But distance is just distance just happens to be behind pickets. But nobody can get past the pickets. But distance just happens to be in like another like small tight area. But everybody outside of it can't can't move from there. Right, because they got the the implants in their heads that they were wondering mm-hmm. if it's they initially put them in there when they abandoned Earth. It's it kind of became hereditary where it it went into the bloodstream or whatever it was that made everybody vaporize in get fried except except for, for winter. winter winter it just got a tingle she said it never really killed her but when they blew up the pickets with the grenades spaceships came down and robotic arms came out of the spaceship and fixed the picket where did those automated come totally automated <laughs> but yeah where was it um 
what was the, what was the name of the last person that came in this ship and then they took them away? Um, is it the progerians? Uh, is it the humans? I think it's humans. You think humans are running it like an automated jail? But then are they prison? Are they political why? prisoners? Oh, but wait, we know why. Because they want to make sure the Shrivers do not get off that planet. So they want to control the area, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, and they didn't expect people to be alive, but then they have people that are alive. So they have to find some way of controlling the masses. And how do they do that? Keeping everybody mm -hmm. behind fences. And I also think the interesting thing if they knew Shrivers were still on Earth, why did they not? destroy and like when they get up on Ironside one of the things that the captain the general person says is that they didn't want the strivers to get a, a hold of any of the technology because that's what they do they leave and then take over another um area why mm -hmm. did they destroy the bases that were on earth exactly. before everybody jumped ship another so question we have a lot of questions i mean that, that's mm -hmm. the whole why didn't we blow everything up when when we when we pulled out of kuwait or whatever the <laughs> The, the yeah. Afghanistan. We left all our weapons there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you know, yeah, and is, I think, is it too much money for them to do it? They didn't want to, or or what? I feel like it would have been an easy task. Like, or I'm the only thing that I made that made even remotely any sense was that um, Indian Hill was private. Nobody mm -hmm. really knew where it was at. So I'm thinking maybe that president might just thought it was like a safety net. Like if any, if worse comes to worse, we can come back to earth and we have an entire supply of like, we have an entire base to go to if this should happen. That mm -hmm. was like my only thought process. Well, that makes the sense. The fact that they know that the Shrivers breed so much and that they completely take over. Mm -hmm. Why did they let it get so out of control? Well, they're not going to nuke the planet. No. Or would they? I mean, if they Paul thought everybody was he, dead. True. They, 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 there's a lot of holes in this. And I think we have to talk to Mark yeah. about this and find out, you know, what, what he was on when he was, as his writing process was <laughs> with this, uh, you know, it, I'm always, I'm, I was on my, my, my third go through today when I was at work and I still had a lot of questions like, okay, they did this, but there's holes in it everywhere and maybe i'm just not hearing mm -hmm. it and it's you know when you try to convey something you think it's one way but you're not saying it the right way and maybe in book three all these questions would be answered but if they abandoned yeah. earth there were still people on earth so yeah. those people had and to populate yeah. oh, wait have you guys listened to three yet mm -hmm. long ago okay i have not okay oh it's very good I'm waiting for my audible credit and I'll, I'll be on that. <laughs> okay. I think that, I think that like, I think it might've also been like a hierarchy thing. Like they may have wanted to take every single person up, like, you know, to abandon earth or whatever, but mm -hmm. it might've been a hierarchy thing. Like, like what would be the benefit of taking prisoners, like people that we have convicted of crimes off of the earth. So they mm -hmm. probably just said, Fuck, like screw it and let them go. Why yeah. make the effort? Can't save them all. Wow, wow. You save the few for the 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 result of the many or whatever yeah. that works out. And to be. and they probably couldn't like feed them, keep them, you know, like when you, like it's yeah. too much if effort, you too prisoner, much. It's a lot. Resources. Yeah, if you want a prisoner, it's a lot. Yeah. Um yeah. here's a jump in the book that I thought um I don't know if any of you guys have noticed. Um right I think it was right before they fight the strivers when they're going up the hill to uh, Mount Olympus. Um one of the Brutons tells uh uh winter uh 
and may the golden arch like watch over you or something like that. And I said, are Bruton's descendants of those uh, 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 feral people from Indian Hill? I mean, not from Indian Hill, from uh, uh, Lincoln Fallout. Remember Lincoln Fallout, the, the, the group of people that were obsessed with McDonald's? Read it too oh. long ago. Don't remember it. It I was a long time ago. But when remember. you say Golden Arch, that's exactly what I think of. But I didn't even there pick up entire, on that part. I I picked up for it the first time I read it. And then when I re-listened to it, I said Golden Arch. Whoa. <laughs> and, even, and even Winter was like, I'm sure it was something meaningful to him, but it didn't make sense to me. Right. And I was like, are we like, are they descendants of what was the group? It was the group of people that lived in the woods and they were like, um, fox mask and stuff and um the red witch really had to like convince them to help in the war with the lichen war and they were like no nah, i'm not trying to do that and the like it was, it was a whole thing but i do remember people, that group yeah but they were they were um they were all praising to the great golden arches and mike was like what the heck but that when the bruton was like um said the golden arch i'm like is there is it all three parallels going on here? Like, what is really going on here? Like, I'm loving this. Like, two worlds. How, <laughs> how on earth does Mark write this way? Like, no idea. Just, <laughs> he just keeps skeptic. Be interested in getting inside his head for the day during his writing process. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I love that because it. I want something that's gonna make me question, like wonder like i don't want to figure out the end way too early i mm-hmm. hate that when i watch a movie and i'm like yeah i already know what's gonna happen i don't need to watch mm-hmm. the rest i can't do that with any of mark's books not no. not a near one not you think you one. got it and then it takes a left turn in albuquerque and it's something totally different <laughs> yeah um am i the only one who is considering that cedar might have a little bit of striver dna in her <gasps> It's so far removed, though, because and I, I think all of them do. And I think maybe that's why they were left on Earth, because it, now that I'm thinking about it, because remember how they started doing the, 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 the DNA things with Mad Jack, how he was kind of yeah. DNA enhanced with Striver things. Yep. They started to do that with other people. And I think that the people that they left behind on Earth were experiments gone wrong. And then they jump ship and took off off the planet. And all those people were left to fend for themselves or thinking that they're just going to die because no one's there to take care of them. And they ended up evolving, taking care of themselves, which is kind of why Winter can see the movements of a blade in her fight so far ahead of it. And she can cut what the, the time, time difference or whatever dilation. Brody called. Yeah. Dilation. Time dilation that Brody called it. She can see all that and how uh what's his name uh hayden kind of had that that it but because of the birthing process it's they're so far removed from it we don't know how many generations after indian hill this is we know that they stopped keeping record time from the library in 2047 was the last thing that cedar saw in the library was when they were reading the history book that was the last mm-hmm. recorded generation. So you don't know what year this is. We don't know if they're still keeping years. Did they start back at year zero? And are we on year 10? They don't know because their whole world has totally just been blown where they're realizing there's life outside of these pickets. We go outside mm-hmm. of these pickets and we're fighting with these other people. There's no reason for us to be fighting with these other people besides 
the will of certain people that want us to fight. But why do they want us to fight? They're not fighting for land. They're not fighting for power. They're not fighting for political gain. Why are they fighting? What's the purpose of all of it? And I think they, they kind of got into that and Lendor kind of came around with that and Serret came around and said, well, they're people just like, just like us. And I like this girl. She's over on this side, you know, the enemy, she's my enemy, but she's really hot and I really like her and she's really cool. So <laughs> I like redheads. I want to go be with her. And, you know, you don't know why they're doing all this, but they are. And you get in winter and her clan now are, are amassing people and they're building more people up and they're trying to find out why, why are we doing this? What's the purpose of it? And I, I'm that, hoping- is, that has literally been the one question of just why. And the only thing I ever came up so far was population control. Mm-hmm. But the earth's already so underpopulated because it's, a, it's abandoned. Yeah. Earth's technically a failed state. It's a failed planet because of what happened at the end of book seven of Indian Hill. They just, uh-huh. they uh-huh. left, you know, book seven ends with uh, a ship out in the distance. And president Mike says, get me Mike on get the, the phone. Mike. And you don't yep. know what happened. So right. we uh-huh. kind of, we're, we're made to, to, to think for ourselves, which, you know, we're Americans. We don't like to do that. We want people to tell us what to do. We're humans. We don't, we don't like yeah. thinking for ourselves. We think for ourselves, it's dangerous. You know, bad things happen or weird things can happen. Um, we want to know exactly what it is that went on and how did the earth fail? How did the pickets come up? What are these giant robot ships that can come and just fix the pickets and put it back up and be like, no, you fi- you destroy this. We're going to fix it. You know, it's like a chess game uh-huh. or a bowling alley. You knock the pins down, the pins get put back up right away. Why, why, why? I just knocked them all down. Isn't that the object of the game? But for some reason, somewhere along the lines, there's a there's a, a puppet master doing all this. And it, that's yet to reveal themselves. And I'm hoping in book three, don't spoil it for us, Amber. I know you've read it. Remember, not for me. I don't remember it either. No, uh, what happens? Who are, who's controlling Earth and, and why? Are the Distancians made to fight against the Hillians and the Brutons and the Ferals and the Comanchekees? What is this all about? And can't we all just uh-huh. get along? Because we're all humans. We're all part of the same dying planet that everybody's trying to resurrect. And tup- typically, there's just a higher power that's overseeing it all. And it could be the humans. We mm-hmm. don't know yet. That I'm going to, it's like playing a chess game. I'm going to play with these people and see what they can do. And typically the, the majority of people will just go along with the flow, but Winter's not one of those people. Sarah's not one of those people. Hayden's not one of those people. Like those are the people that stand out and then make something drastically change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Agreed. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting yeah, to I- find out. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's all about the, the, divine timing of everything and i think that's what really kind of blows your mind like i think winter even breaks it down she was like i was just out hunting for rabbits and all of this came from me hunting rabbits and you take it even a a a single step further you're like it literally all just happened because you aren't afraid to go out and explore 
like you don't want to stay in within the distant borders like you and Tallow are cool with going out and exploring you know what I mean mm -hmm. like most people are just content with staying in the borders until they're 18 fighting and scrapping for scraps and you guys decided to learn how to hunt and everything like that and I think like that's what made it just such a big deal it was just it was literally you're hungry and you went to go get something to eat and yeah, your curiosity and, but Knowledge. Yes. Knowledge is power. And if her and they foot find hadn't the gotten, library, her foot hadn't yep. been stuck in the mud, she would have never found the library. And if they right. hadn't found the library, they wouldn't have known that their world's a lie, that everything's just a lie. And she, uh, Winter, I talked about this when they said, well, we can go back and we can free everybody and, and everybody can be, you know, we, we can get them out of the, the, the pickets and get them out of distance. And it was, well, how they're so used to living life one way having mm -hmm. this is their way of life you're going to go in there and you're going to destroy it and just say hey guess what everything you've been taught is a lie you're now free go fend for yourself have fun they're not going to know what to do with that and it's kind of you see that in the world with you know like we're going to go liberate a country you guys are now free well we haven't been free for 400 years we don't know what to do with ourselves we're Back, now, like now what? what do we do yeah. They don't know how to take yeah. care of themselves. It, it, like when they were able to get them out of Distancia, whatever, you know, out of there. Mm -hmm. well, now what? Oh, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we feed ourselves? How do, we want someone else to do it for us. No, right. you got to do it yourselves. We don't know how to do that. There's no supermarkets mm -hmm. anymore. Just, <laughs> which, I, which I think it's really, I think it's really helpful that they were able to actually get with a whole, like different people throughout the journey because it's like you know you got Comanche keys who are vastly intelligent with um when it comes to vegetables because they don't eat meat so they're not dependent on just like catching anything they can go out and forage for what they need that right there can really help sustain a brand new colony if they are um not good on their hunt and mm -hmm. there's there's just so many different um there's so there's so many benefits with the fact that Cedar ran into, I mean, um, uh, Winter ran into these people as she's, you know, just going along on her journey. It's like people are like literally dedicating themselves to her after a chance encounter. You know what I mean? The Comanche Keys, not so much because um, the leader knew that they expected Winter to be there. But when it came to when it comes to like the Brutons, it was literally a chance encounter. You know what I mean? It's like now you have nine guys that will literally throw themselves to, on the sword for you. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is say the word. You know, it's like that's the type of dedication that she has. And it goes and it's kind of with the Talbot line. You know, that's the type of dedication that Mike poured out of people. You know what I mean? Like at any time, BT would jump in to help Mike out at any time. Like any Tommy would jump in at any time to help out, um, to help him out. Everybody that he meets throughout his life are like. I don't, they, they even say, I don't know why I follow your ass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like at least for because winter. Because they, they, they also have... don't lead with fear either. They don't instill fear for leadership like Hayden did. That's mm. the better leadership is they're not asking to be a leader. They're just naturally the leader. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also, I think I like the, the dynamic. I think one of the things that really gave balance to the story, the additional knowledge is making winter very, um, overwhelmed but continuously curious like she's extremely overwhelmed with everything that she's learning it's like i get more knowledge now i'm like i need more because now what i got doesn't make sense or it's not fully drawn out like now i need more and it's giving it's getting her very anxious and she even says like how nice would it be just to be in bliss in our own little valley and just so ignorantly easy. bliss you know what yeah. i mean but then you have cedar who is like i have to know 
Yeah. I have to figure out. <laughs> I have to. Figure, I have to read this dictionary to figure out how to how to how to drive this ship that I've only seen for three days. Like it's 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 a it's amazing how like information um helps with these two um people who both want more information but for on one side it's like i have the weight of everybody that's in my clan on my shoulders and cedar's like i'm gonna keep learning yeah i'm gonna read and sword fight at the same time like this is <laughs> like I, I i feel like the balance of it peter really grew so much in this book it's oh, amazing yeah. i love the whole part when she's trying to learn the ship and trying to oh amazing absolutely amazing she's mm-hmm. such a good mm-hmm. character and now she's got a tablet with every book ever written at her disposal in her dangerous. back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah, dangerous. I, and, and extremely. And I, I just think it's, I think it's very, very, um, I think, I think it's a beautiful dynamic in the, in the book when it comes to, especially that's why I always thought that Cedar was part Striver just because of how quickly, like we've learned if the Striver DNA goes in good, like it did with uh, Mad Jack, you can just become intelligent really, really fast. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's just, happens naturally but mad jack had the knowledge in there he had the resources to dig into more knowledge cedar she she might have already had her own level of intelligence just for naturally being her but it's like what the second she started diving in the books it's like i i feel like it's always a form of intelligence if you're reading a book and she's she even said it she was saying that um they a lot of the characters in her book uh talk Spanish and she wanted to know what they were saying. So she got a Spanish to English dictionary. And then with that, she was able to learn the brute language. She's like, it just sounds like Spanish. That's fine. Like yeah. you just learned three languages in like a couple months in the middle of wars. And you know what I mean, like it's, I it's crazy to me. Didn't you love the whole dynamic of um the fact when they realized that that both Winter and Cedar could understand what they were saying? Oh, and they were God, talking looking at their butt and talking about their what? <laughs> like that's my backside is shapely. So I love that. That see that actually happened. There was a pizza place in Waltham where we grew up, and there was a Greek pizza place, and we always went there when we were kids. And my brother's girlfriend in high school was very shapely, and every time they go in there, they're always talking Greek or whatever. So she went there once with my mother, and they're talking and blah blah blah. And my mother speaks Greek because she's Greek, or she was Greek, <laughs> I should say, and she flipped out on them started screaming grabbed the pizza and left and my brother's girlfriend's like what just happened she's like they were talking about your ass and your tits and there's your girlfriend and oh, don't you no. want to bend her up like all this nasty shit. oh my god it was like oh my god she's like i've been going there for years i never knew what they were saying but they're always like laughing and snickering and smiling and da, 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 da. it's like mama's like yeah oh man you know, when, when winter says know. you know is my butt that shapely and you know there's something to that effect it was like ah, <laughs> uh, yeah i've been there been there heard that before you know you oh. never know who knows what language is is going around and it's exactly. it's hilarious when that happens but the question i have and it kind of goes so we find out that cedar and winter are sisters mm-hmm. um and they're yes. from their talbot lineage so we find that out at the end of book one but when winter sees a picture of beth and they're looking at all of the photos she kind of stops in her tracks because beth looks just like her mother Mm -hmm. she looks just like hope she looks just like my birth mother Mm -hmm. beth never had kids or that we know of beth never went to whatever supermax prison they were saying that they went to so is it a continue 
this is the part that kind of made me think, is this a continuation of Indian Hill or is it just a different spinoff tale? Because it says Paul and Beth both went to whatever supermax prison that Earth had. Mm -hmm. And then Paul mm -hmm. paid the ultimate price. I don't remember Paul ever going to a prison at all. And I don't remember Beth ever going to a, a prison or having kids or birthing anything. She just went apeshit crazy, got in with the Strivers and tried to destroy everybody. So what I broke down from that, Carol, did you have any input on that? No. Well. Okay. Uh, so what I got from that, you got to remember Indian Hill, they split to two different dimensions and there ended up being two That's sets right. of everybody that was there. Yep, so yep, the yep, original yep. Beth, the original Beth died and she was like done. But then when Mike on the shit was talking to Paul from that, from their original timeline, he broke down everything, trusted everything. And Paul even said that um, he is going to get her help and everything. So I think that there's a possibility that um, uh, Beth still went ape shit again, a different type of ape shit. Because that was she didn't really do much of anything at that point when when they came back to talk to the original version of themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think she still went ape. I, st I think she still went ape shit, and I think that she still did do some stuff. And um, what I think happened was that both um, Paul and Beth ended up going to the Max facility, and then at that time they ended up having a kid. Conjugal visit. That's, That's right. I forgot about that <laughs> part about the ultimate timeline. And I just watched the Flash, and it's like. You know, no matter how many times you go back, <laughs> you can't save the future. You can't save Batman. He's going to die no matter what. You know, sorry if I just yeah. flash for everybody, but it's been up for three weeks. Go see it. It's great. Movie. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, but like, again, so Amber's point is good because no. there are multi dimensions in this. So, right. So we don't know what consummated winter and cedar, which dimension. Yeah. We have and no you idea. And you also have to take into consideration that both of those timelines ended up merging back into one. So you have two mics. You have one Beth is dead. The other one's not. You have one Paul is dead. One is not. And But you have two mics. Mm -hmm. And you have one Dravavon. You know what I mean? So there's like a lot. I think you still have two BTs, right? Yeah, because BT didn't pass. Yeah. So you have all those people, but they ended up merging back into one timeline. So there's a very strong possibility that um, that that was um, a child. Yeah. Like, why not? We didn't. Why not? They were still of. Because Mark can do whatever he wants in these books <laughs> and totally make our brains flip out. And we need answers to these That's questions. Right. I forgot about That's why I love doing this, because I get to find out more educated people <laughs> than I am. I forgot about the alternate timeline. I'm like, wait a second. This doesn't happen. Beth dies. I, I, I read all of them several times. So I'm just like, yeah, I remember that. And it's like, loop -de -loop -de -loop. I'm, like, I'm just here for all of it. I'm here you know, I was going to listen over and over to multiple. But then when we started this podcast, every time I'm like, oh, crap, I have to catch up to this so I can do the podcast. So I have yeah. to go in. Like today, I'm laying out in the sun going, one and a half speed you did you know and my brother's like what are you doing you're trying to listen to something and i'm like yeah i just have to refresh my memory i'm speed book. listening <laughs> yeah it's basically how i do it but like 1.7 is the fastest i can do it and it's like i can get I it done in about eight hours that. it's yeah. for some reason on audible it sounds really really fast at the beginning and then it either your brain picks it up differently or they kind of balance it out but it sounds like it's at regular speed so when you listen to Ugh. a book on regular speed, it sounds really slow. Super slow. And I'm right? like, are they doing this intentionally or do they speak <laughs> this slowly, which is how they do it? Because, I mean, I'm getting into to, to 
audiobook hey, narration and stuff. So when I read them, I read really fast and I lose my my place and I lose my track. I'm like, I can't read. I suck. And I'm like, wait, Jeff. they're reading slow. If I slow down and read at a, 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 a slower speed, I get it now. And Jeff, mm-hmm. we're from New England. We talk really fast. Yes, we do. Because yes. <laughs> we have so much to say and everybody has to listen to it. So. We do. We do. I'm trying. I'm getting more I, potential Mark fans because of my five brothers and my nephew. And I'm like, mm-hmm. total New England sarcasm. Oh, Get yeah. Into it. They love it because that's love that. this is this is what the next few days are going to be all about. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm the only female here and it's all about sarcasm. Mm-hmm. And we completely pick on each other constantly <laughs> love that oh do you know who who else's progression i really enjoyed reading in the book john johns i heard the name but refresh yeah. who john 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 john, is john, john john was like the scared boy from the beginning and I think he, um, I don't know if you remember in the first book when they first got out of the pickets and they were in their first, it was their first night outside of the pickets and they're about to fight the um, com- the, the Comanche Keys. And, he ran away, um, right? He ran away. He was super, super scared, super like, you know, he was the worst. But now in the end of the book, he is like the leader of the everybody who uses firearms. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just impressed. So I'm like, go ahead, Jaja. <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you. I forgot about that. One that's thing true. I discovered too is the, um, the de-evolution sort of of the strivers where the strivers had the weapons on their backs, but they didn't use them. So it's uh-huh. the, the strivers don't like the cold because when they're climbing up, you know, Mount Everest or whatever mountain that they're climbing to, to get away from them, it's, it's cold and the strivers don't like the cold. So where the strivers, you know, down in Florida in the, the tropical part of the state or the world or wherever they were, not doing anything because there's no, there are no humans in there. All the humans are up in North America, so to speak. So did they devolve and not know what to do with themselves because of, you know, the, the lack of interaction with humans where they weren't using their weapons? Why, how was that? How did that come into play? I think that they definitely devolved because um, there was a couple of traits from the original strivers that weren't present in the strivers that were here. Because mm-hmm. I think the very first thing they would have tried to do was to get do that calming effect thing that they did um, with BT and them. And then the original story just talked about how um, they pop they repopulate very very quickly, so they they can have kids very very fast that are up and ready to fight in like a like I think it was a very short um, gestation period that they. Um, that they were able to have a clutch of eggs that had like a whole bunch of them. So it's, you know, faster than humans. Um, the project the, everybody faster than everybody, they would have gotten those um, without using it anymore. They would have mm-hmm. lost those traits that made them so effective when they originally took over. Yeah. Now that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. So um, as, as we wrap up and next week, we will definitely get into the, uh, to the conclusion of the distance series. If you haven't read it and you think it's a chick book, it's definitely not. Uh, I've said this a couple of times and I was guilty of it as well. When I read it thinking Mm -hmm. there's no Mike, there's no Mike, there's no BT. There's no, you know, no D no Ron, no Gary. There's not your, your normal cast of characters in this book. Why should I care about it? You have a new set of characters that you care about. You care about what you care about. Cedar. you're fascinated how Cedar is just, she absorbs all this knowledge and information in the, 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 the earthlings that are on the, the, the iron sides even said it like, 
who was flying that ship and you flew this ship and you used the guns and how long have you been flying Bush? Like two days, you know, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and twins where he's got the owner's manuals. Like, what are you doing with the fingers? Like I'm learning how to drive, you know, like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's Cedar. She's figuring all this out on her own, which shows that the humans that they left behind aren't as stupid as they're made out to be. They're not as, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for as feral, but they're not Beryl. inferior yeah. to, you know, the, 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 the higher ups mm-hmm. of And they evolved into intelligent people. Yeah, which is understandable. Cause honestly, I mean, seriously think about it. If she would have never found that library, not only would she probably have already been dead, mm-hmm. but even if they would have found, found them like, say the day they left the pickets, like they still would have been extremely like not smart at all. Like the only reference to the outside world that Cedar had was her books, you know, and then, you know, Winter did read a couple, but it's like their level of intelligence only grew with their level of curiosity throughout this entire situation and their knowledge and curiosity just continued to grow. And they may not know, like, that's like somebody who lives in Alaska their entire life. Like they have, I I saw a, a, um, video on it before like Eskimos have like they have like 20 different uh names for snow and it's like they have that because they have snow that they can make their houses out of and and drinking and all they have like 20 different descriptions of snow you Mm -hmm. ask me I'm in Pennsylvania it's one it's maybe two it's like when it first falls and when it's all muddy and nasty like that's I got two different types so it's like my level my level of intelligence is completely different from their level of intelligence but they're not as like simple-minded as when they first meet the people from the iron side as they think that they are right yeah exactly so uh as we wrap things up final thoughts carol what do you think i'm excited to listen your overall view of this book this whole overall view i've never thought that either one or two was a chick book at all um i get the whole tallow winter relationship thing that was probably the most chick of it but um other than that, I think Winter has grown into in a tremendous leader and um, she has the humility and the knowledge and the she's just got the right idea of what the future should be. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see book three because I today just flying through and getting to the end, I was like, OK, I can't remember what the end was. And now I'm like, oh. Now I want to know what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. because are they in another prison? I don't want them to be in another prison, but you, did you choose one over another? What's, what's the next step? Yeah. Now so they're I'm in a really prison excited. space kind of. Right. Right. What's going to be the next step. So I, I was really happy with this. I, I loved how she handled Hayden through this. I love how she handled Talon, the Rhodesians. I love the Rhodesians. I'm like, I'm with you, Amber. They are my absolute favorite. Um, <laughs> And I just want to see more and more. And and uh, I, I'm just excited to listen to book three. Amber? Uh, again, absolutely loved it. Again, there's so much progression in this book. And you find so many answers. And you're just, you're you, again, you're just dug into the book. There's so much more that you want to learn. There's so many more answers to come. Because you, got, you gain so much knowledge and so many answers to the book now. You're learning about, you know, past and what's going on now and what's possible for the future and there's so many twists and turns to come that have already like it's like what is next and Mm -hmm. it's like you're excited to read the next one and there's even more amazing twists turns and amazing surprises to come 
Well, we will find all about that next week um, when we finish up the series. So, uh, Amber, um, are you coming back again? Absolutely. Okay. Carol, me too. Open invitation as always. I, Renew your Audible my, credits. The best $40 My credit is spend. coming July 7th. So, I will there you go. get three and I'll finish <laughs> it before the next recording. All right. Excellent. Let's do it same time next week. What do you say? Sounds good. Perfect. All right. Thank you all very much. Y'all have a good night. You too. Bye. 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 You have been listening to the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. Copyright 2023 by Chestnut Hill Studios. No part of this show can be rebroadcasted, replayed, remixed, remastered, or rewind without express written consent from Chestnut Hill Studios and is subject to FCC violations and being called a big, fat, stupid doo-doo head. Our theme song, Zombieverse Aliens, was written brilliantly by Burnt Ends. The show was hosted by Jeff Royds with technical advisor Mary Napoli. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review and keep up to date on all the news and updates on our official facebook page chronicles of michael talbot the podcast and if you have not done so already please download or buy the collective works of mr mark tufo